Hi everyone and welcome to the Genomics Lab podcast, the podcast about current research in the field of genomics. We are your hosts, Eleanor Watson and Olivia Grant, two PhD students in the genomics group at the University of Essex. Join us as we speak to researchers in the field about their current research and their journey into genomics. Hi everyone and welcome back to our 20th episode. Did episode 20, we made it. We did make it, yeah. So today um, we, it's not a big episode for episode 20, but we are speaking to um, Katia Mutino, who is talking to us about some very uh, fashionable, <laughs> on-trend techniques at the minute. So, um, Hopefully that'll be an exciting one for everybody. And it was really great to talk to Katia. Um, but in other news, we've been, mm, have we been busy? We have been busy. We didn't need to be as busy as we did because we didn't need to leave at this last minute. But what have we been up to this week, Liv? Well, me and Ellie last minute decided to enter the three minute thesis um, been- competition at the University of Essex. We've been saying we we're going to do it for so long and then we checked and realised the deadline was in, what, like three days? It was kind of like last week, like I was like, oh God, like we need to enter it. And then we looked and we was like, oh, it's, we need to do it in a week. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of rushed and we, we kind of got to the point where we was like, should we even bother doing it? Because it's going to be so rushed that it's not going to be good. But then we just thought, do you know what, let's just do it this year. And then next year we'll be more prepared and like we would have done it and like had a go at it. So this year we kind of entered like not hoping for much at all. It's our practice year. It's our practice year. And like feel free to go. I mean, I don't know what the format of it is, whether they share the videos and stuff. But like if they do, we will link them because I think we should spread the word. But just be warned that they're not the best. And we're fully aware it's not, because it was it was a last minute rush. Um, yeah, it's, it's not the best work I've ever produced. But like we said, we, we thought like there's, there's really no harm in like just just doing it, like just no. do it. So, and we, we did just say we were going to do it. We promised ourselves we would, and we've done it. Mm-hmm. So next year, let's just go global. <laughs> it's very difficult though. Like I did tweet the other day, like. Honestly, I was sat there trying to explain epigenetics in two sentences and I was like, it's tough. How do I do this? I was like, I just don't know how to do this. So no. it is actually really tough for everyone who does it. Like it is a really good thing to do. It sounds crazy. I was saying to my mum, I was like, oh, I've been working on this for days and days and days. And it's like, it sounds so stupid when you say it because it's literally three minutes. But it's so tough to get into three minutes, isn't it? Yeah, I literally filmed like a couple and I'm not joking you, 90% of them were all like three minutes, 10 seconds. Oh my gosh, I know. I hated that. Hated that. And you can't really see how long it's taken you while you're filming it. Mm -hmm. So you have to film it and then like hope for the best. And then it's just over and you have to go again. Yeah, exactly. So it was a practice run, so don't judge us. But I'm sure maybe at some point we can um we could just put our vimeo links couldn't we we could put them in the description should we put that in the description should we do that uh, shall we I... god why not we've, we've said we will now <laughs> yeah 
um but don't judge us um i think we did it we we did it we took part that's amazing. we did and it's the taking part that counts sometimes exactly <laughs> um so right. that's enough of us putting ourselves down shall we get on with today's episode Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Genomics Lab. So today we are speaking to Katia Mortino who is from the Garvin Institute of Medical Research in Australia. So she's joining us at the end of her day. We're just starting ours. <laughs> so hi <laughs> Probably Katia. should have started about an hour ago but we haven't have we? No. Hi hello thank you for for inviting me yeah, no, thank <laughs> for you this for podcast. Us. <laughs> thank you for joining us um so do you want just want to start giving us a little introduction as to who you are yes so I'm Katia Moutinho and I'm Portuguese uh, in a professional career so I have um, a degree in biology uh, I did it in Portugal and then I start as an RA working there uh, I moved to Spain already having a master in oncology and molecular biology. In Spain, I was for two years in Madrid. Then I went to Barcelona. And while I was in Spain, I was studying cancer epigenetics. So in a cancer epigenetic group, I did my PhD in biomedicine, uh, but it was mainly focused on the epigenetic mechanisms that are um, like behind the chemo resistance in cancer. Uh, after that, yeah, so I was like 10 years in epigenetics and after I moved to a single cell lab, it was just in the beginning of uh, when all the technology for single cells starts. So I can, right now I see that I was lucky just to start in the moment that all the technology was starting because I got, now I have a better idea since the beginning until now. Uh, so yeah, in that level I was um, a postdoc also in single cell, um, and then uh, I moved like uh, last year and a half. So I moved to Australia to Sydney, and here I'm a group leader of a single cell group, and basically I'm leading a team of wet lab researchers. What does it mean? It means that is the people that do the single cell um, experiments in the lab, pipetting. So, and then we are inside of, of a big group of Dr. Dr. Joseph Powell, and he has a big team of computational people. So basically my team produce all the data and they do the analysis. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. So yeah. what, um, this is just, I'm just curious, what made you decide um, to kind of hop over to Spain? To go to Spain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that I finished my my degree, then I went to the lab. I really wanted to be in the lab, yeah. like uh, doing research, but I didn't want to do a PhD. So okay. I did my master, and after the master, I thought, I don't want to do a PhD. So yeah. in Portugal, there were no opportunities uh, okay. besides going to do a PhD. So I decided, okay, let's see in Spain, that is just the next country. Yeah. And I, 
founder, yeah, they had a position of um, a research associate also, yeah. but with a senior position, with a master. So you get a contract, work contract. And so I decided to go that path until I really wanted to do a PhD. Yeah. So, yeah. So I moved to Spain because of that. In Portugal, there were no opportunities. So, yeah. Because yeah. we often um, speak about going abroad, don't we, Liv? And yeah. kind of, like, Liv really wants to go abroad. I would love to go abroad as well, but I spent some time abroad um, a few years ago, kind of in between my um, undergrad. So, but we've kind of always spoken about that. And some people have found that they've had to go abroad to find the opportunities that yes. they needed. And some people have just had like the yearning to go abroad. So I guess yeah. I kind of wanted to know, were you desperate to go to Spain or was it just the fact that that was where the opportunities were? Yeah, the second. Yeah, it yeah. was what the opportunities were. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go abroad, but I've been just so scared to do it alone. Like, Ellie, yeah. if you were like, okay, Liv, we're both going to go abroad, I'd be like, yes, so let's go. But doing it on my own just seems very scary. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a little bit. I will not tell you that it's easy. No, it's scary. But yeah. I'm lucky because my family gave me a lot of support. Yeah. So that was really important. My father, mainly, he was always telling me, go, go, uh, go for your dreams. If it's something that you want to try, just go and try. If it doesn't work, you can always return home. So, yeah. yeah. And that's really helped me a lot. <laughs> it's good advice. Yes, that's good. Being an identical twin, just kind of like... The you've got a permanent tie haven't you but, well all yeah. that and also like the thought of doing anything alone is like a big no I'm like no because I've yeah. always done like any, anything I've ever done like Grace has always been there yeah She's done it with me so mm -hmm. like doing like no I don't think she'd be too happy if you're like, come on, Grace, go on the other side of the world to do well, a postdoc. She couldn't because she's got her business, hasn't she? So she yeah, couldn't. her business and her dog and yeah, her so life here. I'd have to go about her. So I don't know about that. <laughs> I can just go, look, until I came to Australia, I was like one hour and a half by, by like airplane. So it was kind of okay because I was going home each month and each yeah. two months. Yeah. So it's kind of, you are far, but not too far, do you know? So yeah. I think this is the best option. You just go, but something happened, you can return home. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say. Obviously, you started out just going to Spain, which is the next country. And then all of a sudden you're like, right, Australia, <laughs> the other side of the world. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, she used herself in gradually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the decision to come here was uh, because of my husband, <laughs> because okay. he, he didn't find like any opportunity in Barcelona. So he, is a, he was a postdoc back then. Mm -hmm. So it all, okay, uh, I have to change because again, postdocs is grants, fellowships. We know how it is. It's nothing stable. And it was without any option. So I was like staying without working or it came out this opportunity in Australia and yeah maybe because I'm used to travel and to be outside my home so we thought okay why not go to Australia let's go and yeah. it was kind of like this 
And yeah, so the Australia is amazing. The only thing for me is is very far. But now with yeah. COVID, uh, yeah, we cannot travel. So can't travel anyway. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so it's been an amazing place to 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 be because it's that the weather you can travel for us. It's like when I arrived two two weeks after there was the lockdown and yeah. we stayed oh, wow. here. So, but everything was is everything is new for us. So staying uh, stay here in Australia, it's okay because we were able to travel, and here the cases right now, so our control like for four months we don't have new cases in the community. Mm-hmm. So we are already like if nothing happened like before COVID without masks so it's good <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day it was good yeah I'm so yeah. jealous yeah I'm jealous too <laughs> do you want to go yeah. I do we should have just got so how long have we been working at home for a year we should have just quickly moved to another country <laughs> and worked from home from a sunny yeah. nice yeah. country oh we should have <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's a good place. Well, yeah, it's that it, it was the best place that I could choose. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. So we kind of diverted uh, away from the science ah, yes. there a little bit, didn't we? I'm dreaming of Australia now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and to Australia, would, would we want to work in Australia, or would we want to be on the beach all day? Both. To be. <laughs> To be honest, here the quality of uh, like the balance between uh, personal uh, life and professional life, it's very, very good. It's one of the best countries that I would. And yeah, like here, it's it is really respect, like people respect your schedule, you know. So yeah, it's a good something like that's across the board in Australia or is it something that perhaps yes. you think maybe it's just your institution are really respectful of that or no it's across Australia nice. yeah. yeah it's the society in Australia it's that they they give more importance at the end of the day yeah they give more value to the family life mm-hmm. you know so yeah, yeah. That's I nice. think it's always a society kind of rule and here in Australia is that they enjoy to have family like sometime with their families there is a lot of parks you see a lot of kids people doing sports so is others yeah type of uh, maybe your lifestyle yes yeah yeah Yeah. that's something that we've often come back to as well hasn't it work-life balance in academia (laughs) can be um it can be quite um I don't want to say like toxic but I think in a lot of places it is kind of like you have to you have to put in 70 80 90 hours a week and that's considered normal when actually take a step back it's not at all normal and I think that's the one thing that me and Liv really don't like about academia yeah the funny thing is as well is like everyone in academia hates it yeah everyone hates it so we what? all hate it but oh, it's just this it whole because it's just this whole like you know like rush to publish and like the whole publish or perish thing that's yeah. it, isn't it but we all hate it why can't we just collectively make a decision we yeah just stop <laughs> stop the cycle I think, you know <laughs> yeah I think it always depends now that I'm in the group leader position I think it 
always depend also in the supervisor that you have, mm. you know. So while I was like in Portugal or Spain, I can say that my supervisors were, okay, if you want to work weekends, come uh, and stay until late, it's your show. You choose to do that because yeah. we can choose. It's different if someone is telling us, no, you need to come the weekend or if it's our choice. Because mm -hmm. maybe we are so motivated that we want to go in the weekend to pass some sales or do something. So, yeah, I think it influences a lot of the supervisor that we have. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like my supervisors like almost like discourage me from working on the weekends. Yeah, so, I do. They try I do that sure also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also do that. I even before coming here, uh, like the the previous group so we had a team also and my boss and me that I was the oldest one we were always saying no people need to rest including ourselves we need to rest yeah. in the weekend because on Monday you need to be without your battery charge otherwise there will be mistakes that we don't realize that we are doing it and so at long term is worse yeah and if we are focused the time that we are in the lab we are focused on what we are doing it will be uh, like quicker everything yeah. and because you just need to do once or twice the experiment and that's it yeah if you do mistakes <laughs> yeah you can stay forever there <laughs> so, very yeah. true <laughs> but yeah but the, the normally yes people think that working more than it's in your contract should be like that and yeah it's that if we have a deadline a paper okay but after just rest <laughs> you know yeah. it's, it's flexibility yeah we need to be flexible basically mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely i agree i do agree okay so science science <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop dreaming about australia early <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah so sorry, yeah, maybe I can start off by just yeah. um, asking, um, can you explain what is single-cell genomics? Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is single-cell technology and now is the trend of, <laughs> of science? Very so, fashionable. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So single-cell, what we do is when we have an organism, um, a tissue, a tumour, what we do is to study each cell that, that is constituting like the, the tumor, for example. And for that, what we need to do is to dissociate like the tumor in uh, individual cells. And after there are different types of technology, uh, mainly two types, we just isolate each cell, okay? And we do, uh, I can say, um, PCR in the like uh, micro uh, size. So basically there are two techniques of single cell type is like, is the, it depends on the way that we use to isolate these, the different types of cells. So we can use the, what is called droplet uh, based method or the plate based method. The plate based method is the more, more easiest like it's easier because basically we go to, we dissociate the cells, we go to do fact sorting. 
So we pass through a flow and fax sorting and we put one cell in each well of the plate. It can be 96 well plates or 384 well plates. And then each well of the plate will be our PCR tube. If we want to do, like we have to lyse the cell and depending what we want to study, if RNA, DNA or proteins, we do different techniques, different protocols. The other, the droplet-based uh, uh, method is um, what we do, we have like uh, capillars, is microfluidic assays, mm -hmm. like the name is complicated, but it's, it's easy. <laughs> like the most used, um, used one is the 10x genomics. I don't know if you heard about. Yeah. So it is, we have like three uh, flows, three capillars. One, we have our cells. Our cells will be like very suspended in the mix that we need to do cDNA, for example. We put like the DNTPs, the RT enzyme, everything, and we mix in your, with our cells. So the other one will be the beads. And the third one is the oil. So what we do is like we have, um, we put our cells and our cells, imagine that it's like um, a vertical capillar. So we load our cells and there is a vertical flow. And the horizontal, there will be the beads flow. And each bead will be attached to a cell. Okay. So depending, we need to adjust the concentration of cells that we put. But yeah, each cell will be, get attached to a bead. And this bead, like the horizontal, uh, it will go, okay, the bead get the cell and continues until reach a pool of oil. When we mix water with oil, there are the droplets. Yeah. So when these droplets are formed, they will get inside one cell that is attached to a bead, okay? So these micro uh, droplets, we put everything in the tube, uh, appendor for a PCR tube, and again, we do a PCR, here we don't lies, we just do uh, a PCR in each droplet, okay? Yeah. As a nano reaction, a nano PCR. And then we have to remove the oil and you have, uh, already we have the RNA that you can, uh, we can analyze. So each cell will be, uh, the RNA for example, will be amplified in, inside the droplet, yeah. So yeah. So what, what is the benefit that why single cell is better than what is called bulk RNA? So yeah. with a, or bulk DNA or protein, the bulk analysis is when the like the classic one, we have a piece of tissue, we mince it and we extract mm -hmm. DNA, RNA or protein. But we, the, the result that we are doing, like seeing, uh, because we can do like, for example, uh, cDNA and RT from the bulk mm -hmm. is this, what we will see is the average that comes from all the cells that uh, in the tissue that we mince. It will be like average of that. While in the single cell, we can see each individual cell, for example, the mRNA that is being expressed. So it gives us more resolution, a lot. And the thing is that we reach a point that we know the characteristics of each cell, each type of cells. So we were able to find uh, like new types of cells. 
but we reach the point is like okay but how are these cells uh, interacting with each yeah. other because when we dissociate the, the tissue we lose the structure we don't know how the cells are organized we lose the spatial contact mm -hmm. so it is and now uh, everyone is moving through, through the um, spatial omics, spatial transcriptomics, spatial proteomics, because we, we need to know the interaction between the cells. We need to have like a map of yeah. the, the organism, of the tumor, to know only when we know the interaction between all the cells, we'll understand how the diseases arise, the tumors. So we need the special context, yeah. So they're all um, kind of improvements upon each yes. other. So the single cell is improved upon the bulk because we can actually look at individual cells and maybe see differences that we just would be completely masked in bulk mm -hmm. sequencing. Yes. But then we lose any sort of 3D structure. So the spatialomics is what's then helping us piece all of that together like yes kind of a jigsaw to put it back together yes yeah because the special omics trans basically there are this everyone talks about special transcriptomics yeah because it's the one that is more developed but you can also do special proteomics or special um, genomics yeah. and basically instead of so what we can see right now is a resolution of one individual cell and you see each cell, first, where they are localized, and second, what they are expressing. Each one, so you see, for example, in a tumor, there will be the region in the center. Maybe these cells are not expressing the same that the peripheral cells. So you will see this, what the set, like the features of each cell, but also who are the, the neighbors, like, always talking with whom yeah yeah <laughs> can I ask a question about the technique so sure. you know you were saying about how like each like um I think you were saying like each bead has a cell on it like yes. just one single cell how does that part work like how does it ensure there's mm -hmm. always only one cell so you have to put the right concentration of cells because the problem if we imagine they say the protocol says okay you can put 10 cells okay to have the probability to get one bead attached to one cell if you increase these uh, amount of cells very very will be what is called the doublet the doublets are one bead will have maybe two cells is more not the bead but the droplet will have two cells inside. So the, now that I'm thinking like the beads, you will always have one bead and one cell because the, the beads are kind of uh, bigger than the, your cell. So there will be only one, yeah. The problem is the droplets. The droplets can get more than one cell inside, yes. Yeah, so it's quite a it's quite a delicate process. Yes. <laughs> and so, the beads, yeah. So each bead has kind of a tag yeah. that is unique. 
mainly. You put a lot of beads and each bead that you put, the mix mm -hmm. of beads, each bead has a specific tag that makes the yeah. bead unique. So mm -hmm. that cell will be tagged in a unique manner that after yeah. sequencing, you can see. Right. Okay. That, yeah, makes, that sense. makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my question is, yes. what does what does your lab use these techniques for? Like what is the what is the aim of the research that you're doing using these techniques? Yeah. So we have in our big group, we have a kind of two teams. The first is the research or the first, no, one of it is the research team. So inside the research team, we have three types of um, research streams. That is cancer projects with uh, brain tumors, with head and neck or lung tumors. Then we have projects that is the second stream, that is the stem cell stream. And we use stem cells. So stem cells, uh, I can after explain a little bit more, but basically with the stem cells, you can differentiate them in whatever you want, like in cardiac cells or written cells, so in different ones. And the third stream is um, immune diseases. So we have projects on that. And basically we, there is in each project, there is a, a postdoc that is leading a project. So we, we do research in all of it. This basically the common thing of all these uh, streams that are very different is the technology that we do. Single cell, special, yeah, this is the common. And so in my team, we help in these projects but we also develop, like we try new technology and we try to develop new things. For example, the special transcriptomics. Uh, normally the companies contact us and say, okay, we are thinking about this product. Do you want to try it? And we optimize in, the, in our lab and then we pass it to the, the facility team and they start offering to other researchers as a service. Yes. So you're you're not using um, these techniques for just for just one thing. You're using it no. for a number of different outcomes. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. So would you say you're someone who's more interested in like um, methodological development rather than perhaps like answering particular research questions? You're more interested yes. in how we use these methods to to answer these research questions. Yes. <laughs> the, the research questions, for example, in the cancer is more a microenvironment, what is happening with the uh, immunological system, with mm -hmm. all this part, immunology, because now is immunotherapy. Therapy. So everyone yeah. is interested in see what the microenvironment, uh, like how is reacting, and mainly with chemo resistance. This is more the, the questions in the cancer stream. In the stem cell stream is, okay, we have different stem cells from different uh, individuals, right? They have different background, uh, genetic background. If we start differentiating them in the same way, so for example, to cardiac cells, how the different genetic background will influence on this differentiation because the only thing that will be different here is the genetic background. All the individuals yeah. are different, but the way we are differentiating 
that is very similar to what happened in real life when we start developing and we get our art, for example. So how this genetic background really influences in development. And also we want to try um, to see doing like kind of drug screening on this type of model because it's each individual reacts differently to drugs, right? So is the genetic background influencing this? We know that it is, but it was not demonstrated really what genes are changing or responsible, or if it is a combination of genes, if it is always the same genes. So yeah, we want to see that. And in the immune diseases, is a little bit also to see what, what happens, why people just, the immune system starts reacting and can be chronical. Uh, yeah, basically these are mm -hmm. the general questions of mm -hmm. research. So I know obviously you mentioned a couple of times there, like, and I know um, using these type of methods, like people are really interested in, like you said, like the different, levels of expressions of different genes. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you're able to look at other than gene expression using this mm -hmm. technique or is it just people are just interested in gene expression? No, people are interested to be honest to see everything in one yeah. cell, <laughs> really. <laughs> what is called multiomics, mm -hmm. uh, multiomics approaches. So yeah, the single cell is like, okay, we can do transcriptomics, genomics separated and proteomics mm -hmm. now the like what we are doing now is to see more than one layer of information in the same cell so what people want ideally is to see okay one cell i can see uh, the genetic background the dna if there is mutations SNPs, or i also want to see in the same cell the rna <laughs> if the genes are expressed but I also want to see if this RNA or mRNA is being produced, like it gives rise to a protein because some mRNA can be produced but never reached to the protein. That is the function that like the molecule that will function. So right now we are doing uh, multiomics approaches. And what we are doing, for example, in my lab is transcriptomics and proteomics. This is uh, site C. It's called, I don't know if you heard about. Um, I've not we, heard are, yeah. we also can do genomics and transcriptomics. So yeah. basically we have a cell, we lyse the cell, and then we have beads. And the beads have um, a poly uh, T that will get our mRNA that is poly A. So it's complementary. So the beads will get on the bead, magnetic bead. And in the other side, we have the DNA. So yeah. since the beads are magnetic, we can remove the beads and we have RNA and DNA and we amplify. Uh, but of course, everyone wants uh, a technique that you, you can see the three <laughs> different yeah. kinds of information. Yeah. So yeah, right now in the single cell field, this is like the way we are going, yeah. <laughs> so I have a question. I don't know whether we're going it might be going a little bit off topic no, but my no. question is these techniques are really like the 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 big thing of the moment they're really everyone's using them right now yes 
can you give us kind of a, a like a timeline of what how they when were they developed like when did they become commonplace to be used when were they first developed I'm kind of interested to see if they're really recent or have they been around a lot longer but we're only just now getting to use them more the single cell transcriptomics uh, I will say maybe five years it's okay. been around for five years yeah the the, the major problem with this kind of technology is that they start being really uh used by everyone when they are commercialized when they have they have they are like a kit yeah basically a kit that you can open and you just <laughs> do something yeah. so most part of this technology it's already commercialized yeah but there is other techniques especially for example what if you want to see epigenetics mm -hmm. like if you want to do dna methylation in single cell level so for example, for this, there is no kit. So this type of technology that is still not commercialized, I will say that it will take a while. Yeah. But for single cell is, yeah, there is a lot of things already commercialized. What, so for the special, it's still in the beginning. Yeah. There is a couple of uh, kits but again, uh, my feeling is that, well, I know that it still needs a lot of development, especially yeah. uh, because we have the data, we are producing a lot of data, but we don't know how to analyze it, you know? So in the lab, yes, there is a huge amount of possibilities, but in the pipelines of analysis, we still need to work a lot. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, I will say that right now, Everyone can do like single cell transcriptomics. Yeah. The problem is that it's very expensive. Yeah. So to be sure that your uh, like your experiment will will work, just try to establish a collaboration mm -hmm. or go to some facility that that can do that as a service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> and in terms of like development. Mm -hmm. who is responsible for the development is it like industry companies or is it people like like your group like who who does it so all the all the commercial uh, like kids start with the research group mm -hmm. establishing a protocol and doing all the development what happened normally the companies or you can tell the companies are you interested in this or that and they will say okay yeah this interests me, so I will kind of uh, get this protocol to be to do everything to be commercialized. Because when we publish uh, like different protocols, they still need a lot of optimization, mm -hmm. especially because when you develop a, proto a new protocol, you do it in a certain type of cells, and to be commercialized, uh, the companies what they do is like try different cell types, different uh, not tumors, tissues, to try to optimize everything until the like the minimum detail. Yeah. So but everything comes from a research lab. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of a I, I don't know if this is a personal question. I don't think it is, but um <laughs> are things like this patented? Mm -hmm. Yes. They are. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. The patents. Yeah, yeah. 
You are. So sometimes we have like agreements with companies. Uh, if we are trying to develop a new protocol, just in the beginning, we kind of talk with the company because for the labs, it's really important to have patents because yeah. this means that you'll have money, not grants and yeah. fun, mm -hmm. like you will have other source of money. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can like talk about what you are thinking. And a lot of companies, they give, get, they give also support because they have R&D teams that they are experts. So they also give us support. And normally it's like, okay, uh, we will pass into the patent of this work. Mm -hmm. um, we just need normally to wait a little bit until there is a patent and then publish. Yes. Interesting. It reminds me like we did a podcast before with um, Dr. Peter Ellis from Kent and Ellie, do you remember he was saying about how like he really thinks that like everyone should um, not try and get like a patent for something, but everyone should try and like develop something as another yeah. in, like another source of income for their lab. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's like possible for bioinformaticians. <laughs> is that possible? I think it <laughs> is. Not. Yeah, I no, I think it is. Because is yeah, because for example, uh, we use mainly 10x um, like kits and things, and they have a software behind like you have the data sequencing. And then yeah. they offer a software that right, yeah. is very friendly to use for everyone yeah. that's yeah. computational. So all these uh, softwares, they are developed by, again, research teams that are computational. They are not in the lab, but so it is possible. You really need to like to contact them and tell, okay, I think I have a great idea. This is you cannot tell all the idea that you have but just tell okay i think i can do this okay yeah, yeah because here we need to always to be careful because we cannot tell them i have this amazing idea and yeah <laughs> <laughs> just be careful and tell what you like that half of the idea that you have and what you can uh, like give them mm -hmm. and what support you are expecting from them you know a little bit like Dragon's Den, but for science. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't give as much away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it, yeah, it always happen when we are telling our idea to someone, independent if it's a company or not, we need to just be a little bit careful if we yeah, don't definitely. say everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We've had like people on the podcast before, like they'll say something and then like, oh, we'll finish recorded. They're like, actually, can you take that bit can out? I didn't mean to out, say please. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think like, yeah, we're all quite guilty of it sometimes. Like when you get excited, you get a little bit carried away and you start spilling stuff and you're like, oh, why did I say that? <laughs> That's the trouble, isn't it? Like you want to share all of these cool yeah. things and then you realise like, oh, <laughs> Am I meant to say yeah. that? Am I allowed to say that? Do I want to say that? No. Yeah. yeah. For example, in our institute, what we have always is um, like someone from the legal office that try to protect us, basically, because yeah. depending what we sign, we can be selling our results to someone else, you yeah. know? So this is really important. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess back on to your, to your 
research <laughs> your actual mm -hmm. what your lab's doing um you've obviously got the two different kind of research groups going or the two different areas of research yes, going yes. on um can we maybe talk a little bit about what's next for each of those two mm -hmm. groups obviously you're saying that you think that uh this the spatial omics is what's needing the most sort of refinement yes. and development i mean if uh, we have just said about keeping things private so feel free to say no, <laughs> no i don't no, no. share this <laughs> um but yeah kind of what what are the next steps so for the single cell like yeah. field i yeah. will say multi-omics like yeah. Uh, getting different layers of information from the same cell because if we can get these we can get the direct relation between dna rna and protein and we can yeah. see what really affects some mutations some changes on the expression of genes yeah for single cell this for spatial a lot of things because <laughs> right now like the commercial protocols is more for spatial transcriptomics and there is a, like mainly two types of spatial transcriptomics right now. Mm -hmm. It is the target approach and the all transcriptome approach. Basically, in the target approach, you are just amplifying certain genes that you know that are important for your uh, biological question. While the all transcriptome, you you don't know what you you will see. You just want to have a, like a overview of what is happening on that uh, piece of tissue. So I will say that for the um, target approach, everything is kind of developed. The problem is that they work with um, fluorochromes, like our probes for the RNA or even for DNA, depends what you want to see. So the problem is that we are limited in colors, right? Yeah. We don't have a lot of colors, fluorescent yeah. colors, fluorophores. So this is the limitation and also the powerful that the microscopes are because okay. you can capture the color signal, but yeah, just to have resolution enough, like the pixels to mm -hmm. be able to define the two spots. So there is a lot of work to do in this part of yeah. how to capture the signal and how to analyze it. And what else? So yeah, and, and then in the spatial omics, the part of proteomics, uh, it needs still some development because proteomics depends on antibodies. And yeah. if you did Western blood or proteomics, like, uh, yeah, antibodies, we need to have lucky <laughs> if antibody is good. So since it depends on antibodies, certain proteins we still don't have uh, good antibodies to detect it so there is a lot of work that needs to be done there and what else yeah I will say that but the main problem with the special uh, transcriptomics proteomics or genomics is the um, the resolution of uh, like the mechanism microscopes mainly that capture the signal yeah Mainly that, and also the, the computational part, because it's still in the beginning. Yeah. We have a lot of, for example, we get a lot of spots, but how to know that that is a certain, they call cell segmentation, 
because what we get is a, a, a image that are like spots of colors. Yeah. So computational, you need to know where is the cell, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. those segments. And this, it seems that is very, well, it is challenging. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a lot of work to do there. <laughs> and so many different areas as well. Like, it's it's yeah. not just one thing that needs improvement. It's, mm -hmm. it's a whole load of things. So is there um, sort of lots and lots of different collaborations then going on between people that are developing different areas? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot. Also, a lot of, well, the single cell and special omics community. Uh, it's very good because we try to share knowledge, mainly yeah. troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. Since our very new technology, very new things, we are still learning, you know? So, yeah, troubleshooting is really important in this kind of things. Also, yeah. for the companies to, to, improve what they are selling for them is also very important for us to give them the feedback yeah. and i will say that though the companies like the kids that we are using the companies are very supportive like they mm -hmm. have technical support that it really helps a lot yeah mm -hmm. i love speaking to like people who do like especially spatial transcriptomics because i feel like you guys get so excited yeah. about it so you think like when you yeah. start talking about it like I can actually see this like the smile on your face and it's yeah <laughs> it's nice just to see like how excited people get about it yeah definitely. I love what I do yeah oh, I love what I do. so I really love what I do and yeah I will say that I really love science and to do all and this kind of things for me is super uh like motivating because it's always new things too much sometimes because it's like come on really <laughs> I, I didn't finish with all the papers of the new technology of last month and I have already so yeah it's too much but it's really cool because it's really different mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah. it's nice I thought like I was going to say something what was I going to say hmm. we always um, have this, oh yeah <laughs> sorry no, I was just go <laughs> I was going to say um listening to you I can understand like why everyone is like really loving um single yeah. cell mm -hmm. and spatial transcriptomics because I feel like for example like I know in some of my talks like I'll talk about and I know you mentioned obviously DNA methylation thing isn't there but I'll talk about DNA methylation and then people are like well you don't really know that it actually affects gene expression blah 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 and I'm just like oh shut up like I feel like this is sort of like that bridge to help link all of those things together so it's yeah. very versatile as well you can use it for so much can't you it's not I, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of a lot of research I mean all research all research is equally important but a lot mm. is very niche and it can only be used for yeah. for like yeah. one specific thing these techniques are used for so much I think that must be yeah, right yeah that must be quite a nice thing to be a part of to be working on something that yes. everyone can use rather than just one particular little lab group yeah know? it's yeah no it's really we learn a lot because it's that it's like we have the technology but it can be applied to whatever you want different yeah. organisms different it's not only humans mice 
see elegance, for example. So yeah, it's the technology more than, and then comes different biological questions that at least for me, it's very useful because I learn a lot about different things. Mm -hmm. I like answer, but I also like this, you increase your knowledge about science. So yeah. About the DNA mutilation, mm -hmm. <laughs> I understand that you are saying because I was working 10 years in DNA methylation, stone modification that you cannot see. The <laughs> but yeah, the big problem, I'm, to be honest, like I hope that someone can do something about the single cell technologies to see DNA methylation and stone. So. <laughs> in the part of epigenetics, the only thing that we are able to do, like commercial kit, of course, is the um, chromatin like the ataxic mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you see the regions of the chromatin that are open and they are cut yeah. by the, the transposase the problem with the dna methylation is that the bisulfite it degradates a lot the dna and then we have a lot of background noise but there are not commercial but homebrew uh, technology already for single cell yeah but it's also the, always the same. The commercial kits come if there is a demand, meaning everyone can do <laughs> gene expression, right? But yeah. only a few, a few that are a lot, but a few are using, are studying epigenetics. Yeah. So at the development teams, they think, okay, what we will do? What will sell more mm -hmm. gene expression? So, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, more of like a supply and demand thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. In the That's commercial world, it is, as always, for everything. Yeah. And it does always come down to um, finance and business in the end, doesn't yes. it? Research, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the, yeah, the side of the companies is that it's yeah. sometimes you even can have a great idea. But mm -hmm. what they see is it will be it will give money or not, you know. Yeah. And while the researchers, we don't think like that. We think it will be a great like discover. It will help someone, you know. It, it's it's a different way of thinking. Yeah. But yeah, but if the funding isn't there, then it doesn't matter how interesting you think it's going to be. You can't do it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Comes back to what you said earlier about. Um, how this isn't like a very niche thing it is something yeah. that can be applied and this is I guess why you know like you're mm. able to get all the funding and maybe even you know partnerships with um industry to actually advance these techniques yes yeah. <laughs> definitely in you're in quite a a fortunate position that it's something that you love that is also yes. um so well received by everyone everyone wants to get involved so there's yeah. going to be funding available and you love it That's, yes yeah yes uh, yeah this is something that sometimes i i, I say because the, everyone wants to do single cell right now yeah. it's like that because all the papers that are being published in high like journals they have they have a single cell experiment but sometimes it's really not necessary. Do you know? It's like I'm always 
maybe because I think still as a researcher is like sometimes depending on your question you really don't need to do go straight away for single cell do a bulk like a, a standard a classical western a classical I don't know RT PCR to mm-hmm. see if you see differences and then go to the single cell mm-hmm. don't just go let's do single do you know sometimes it's just not needed but yeah again it's true if you don't have it maybe you will not publish high and yeah. this is but i don't agree <laughs> it's like yeah mm-hmm. sometimes it's really not needed yeah. yeah especially as you mentioned as well that it is quite an expensive technique i guess it, it does make sense to check that it's always going to be worth the money to do these maybe less expensive experiments beforehand Yes, yes, yes. And also, since it is so expensive, there is the problem um, that in the beginning I was like against it, but now I can understand. There is the problem that we should do at least three experiments, three different experiments, yeah. like the biological replicates and the technical replicates. Yeah. Problem with single cell, it's very expensive when you mm-hmm. do, you have to do the single cell. Right, yeah. So people tend that. to do one experiment or two, you know. So I think it's really the, the way to balance these, the lack of uh, by maybe replicates, it's to do validation in the bulk and then move from there. Like you have a solid mm-hmm. result and yeah. then you go to the single cell and you can yeah. do one experiment. I know that inside each sample you have different types of cells similar cells so it can kind of be a biological replicate yeah i don't agree with this but it's okay (laughs) i'm more the traditional researcher that would like to have three different experiments in three different days you know Mm -hmm. but it's true that it's super expensive and so yeah I've been um, using some single cell data sets to analyze. So already published um, data sets, obviously. We're not definitely not doing it ourselves. Um, But we kind of made the decision to, um, I ran all of my analysis on one particular data set and then I've been taking other data sets and running the same analysis to see if we get the same sort of results as a way of validating just to make sure that there was no kind of experimental artifacts cluttering up the results that I that I found to start with because obviously as you say there's not that um level of uh, replication of the experiment Mm -hmm. in each case just because of the because of the cost but I guess that's a um an advantage of the fact that a lot of data sets are actually published now. A lot of single cell data sets are published. So whilst you're not repeating the experiments when you're doing the single cell sequencing, when you're doing the analysis, you can kind of look at a number of different data sets to check that you're getting the same sort of results out. Yeah, because of that, it's really important uh, to kind of uh, use the same protocols, Yeah, you know, different labs to use kind of the same protocols. Yeah. Because what you are saying is what is happening. The yeah. data are available yeah. and you use, people are using these uh, different data sets because yeah. you have different biological questions. 
yeah. um, for maybe the same type of cells and you have the data. So just analyze it. And it's really important for the protocols to be like standardized. Yeah. And based on that, there is the protocols IO that is a, a platform online where uh, single cell people, but other researchers of other fields, we are trying to put all our protocols there. And when we upload the protocol, um, people can say, okay, I have this doubt, I have this question. And it's like a chat online that we can discuss each protocol and try to, yeah, to standardize the protocols. Because we can have, like we have in the lab, we can do kind of certain things to reduce the batch effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if it is between labs, we should use the same kind of protocols. Otherwise, it's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's obviously something that I had thought about. You know, you need to make sure they're using the same protocols, but it's good to see that there is that yes. kind of standard. Yeah. Got, yeah, especially for when we are using solid tissues, yeah. because depending on the lab, people use different enzymes, you know, oh, yeah. so course, yeah. if I use acutase and someone use collagenase, yeah, of course, there different. is some, yes, yeah, of course, oh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you have any other questions, Liv? I'm, I'm just, I've literally just looked at the time and realised that we've managed to go on for nearly an hour already. Um, <laughs> You'll get faster. <laughs> no, no, I don't think there's anything that I even want to cut out of this. No, no, no. I mean, really yeah, good, but normally, I was just, yeah. They're normally an hour anyway, aren't they? Yeah, 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 of course. But I didn't want to go on for ages longer. I mean, I could talk to you all day about this. I think it's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. could talk about... You always love conversations about um, single cell LA. Yeah, I do. You do. Because <laughs> I like to think I know about it because I'm using single cell data sets when actually I don't know anything about it. So I find talking about it really interesting. I'm sure you do. No, yeah. I'm yes. sure you do know what you're talking about, Ellie. A lot. Really. Yeah. But I find she it, knows. I, <laughs> of course, I you do know. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I do love it because I would like, me and Ellie say this a lot, but on every episode there's always one of us who dominates the conversation like yes there's always one of us who's like yeah the other one has to almost like shut the other one up yeah <laughs> no yeah yeah Ellie you know a lot for example you know more than me about computational analysis I I I, I have to learn I am always saying this for years and years I have to yeah. learn I have to learn computational part analysis but I really love to do the wet lab experiment, yeah. you know, the pipettes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not sure. I, I did love the wet lab stuff, but just kind of forced into, forced into learning mm. conversation. Yeah, but Ellie, you're the lucky one because, like, you know a bit of both. Yeah. Yes. True. Whereas, no, yeah. True. Yeah, it's true. Now the, the sorry. The profile of ideal researcher is someone that knows about the lab, pipettes, yeah. and computational. Yeah. It's really, really important. Yeah. But then there is a little bit of a risk of that. What is it? Jack of all trades, master of none, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because I think it depends. Like, if it's very focused on your area, surely it doesn't matter. Like, I think about, like, my future, like, 
career yeah and I worry a lot because I'm like I don't actually know like any wet lab stuff so like I'm like <laughs> oh my god like I'm like anytime I want anything like that I'm gonna it's gonna have to be you know like collaboration because like let's say like I don't think I will do this but let's just say that I don't know like one day I was to have my own group like even if I had someone who was wet lab like I could not help them when they got in trouble like if yeah. they were stuck on something like so I would have to you know they'd have to be co-supervised I don't know Liv would pass not- out if someone asked her to put on a lab coat I would like, no. Like, no leave me no, like, I, with yeah. my computer and just leave me here <laughs> I completely <laughs> Yeah, I completely understand what you are saying because when I got this position of group leader, the first question that I did was, are you expecting me to know a computational? And they told, no, it's just wet lab. I thought, "Ah, okay, because I don't know computation, like I don't know enough to control or to help what people will be doing. And if I'm a group leader, I should be able to know everything because otherwise I cannot know if the analysis was well done, if it was not. So yeah, but that feeling I also had, yes. I think the nice thing about your position though is like if you want to learn, like if you if it's something you really, really want to do, you can like sit home of an evening and learn how to do it if you really want to. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you don't know wet lab, it's like how do you ever... Yeah, you, know? you can't like, just start... I can't just go in into the lab bedroom, and start messing around with chemicals, can I? You know, like <laughs> it's not so difficult as you are imagining. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I could like pick it up. It's just like you need someone to give you that opportunity to go and start doing mm-hmm. it. Yes. Um, I don't it, know. It's then very again, funny. Wet lab has always scared me. Like in my undergrad, I just hated like wet lab stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's very funny because it is the other way around for wet lab people. For example, for me, only thinking about maths or, I don't know, I always say for me, R is a letter. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's mine and Ellie's I wish it was just a letter for me. (laughs) But but yeah, but again, um, I did some analysis of arrays and microarrays in my PhD. But when I was forced to, it's like, okay, this is your data. You learn how to analyze. Okay, I, I could learn and I know. And with this is the same. But since yeah. my team is integrated in the computational uh, team, it's easy. So I don't have to learn. <laughs> yeah. And, but they, the computational people say what you are saying. And yeah, the wet yeah. lab people, we say, oh, my God, no, no, no. You have a black screen with letters that you... <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's nice, it's nice to know that um, it's not just me, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, we should probably wrap it up because we have been going um, for a while. Do you have any last questions, Ellie? Any I don't think so. No, I, <laughs> I don't think so. No, other than like, I think well, everything you've spoken about today has been really fascinating. It's really, mm-hmm. really cool. Nice to, yeah. I don't know, nice to know a little bit more about, I guess, the history and the future of something that's all the rage at the minute. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Really yeah definitely. Thank you. I get it. I get the hype. Yeah, I get the hype. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you have to, you are invited to come to Australia and do oh, what we, we, we have everything here in my group. So feel free to come. Oh, <laughs> amazing. We and should travel in the world. We are, aren't we? Every time we, we meet Australia. people, we're like, we'll come, we'll come visit. <laughs> we'll come and visit you. <laughs> Jesus. I'd love to go, I'd love to go to Australia. Yeah, flight kind too. of puts me off, but. Mm-hmm. No, we'd have fun on the flight. Yeah. Well, we'd 21 have, hours. <laughs> we'd be fine. <laughs> few drinks, go to sleep. Yeah. Couple of films, be, it'd be yeah. great. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, it's so. It's worth um, it. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone um, wants to contact you further about anything that we spoke about, um, can they contact you on Twitter? Yes. Mm-hmm. In Twitter, um, in LinkedIn, my yeah. personal email. I have a personal web page where I just, it's like my CV is kind of long and boring. <laughs> so <laughs> a way for me to not just send like nine pages of things was to do um, a virtual CV. Yeah. And in this webpage, I also put all my talks, uh, some publications for people if are interested in reading. And yeah, so there, there is a way. And you can contact me. It goes, it's linked to my uh, personal email. Okay, also, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Amazing. I can give you after like the, the different things, like the different yeah. contacts, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. And then we can just link them in the description box, which would be great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amazing. Well, yeah, thank you for coming to talk to us. We do appreciate yeah. it. We should probably really let you go because it's probably a little bit late there, isn't it? Yeah. Here he is, 8 p.m. Oh. I will have dinner now and see yeah, next week. A well-deserved dinner. <laughs> Absolutely, well, yeah. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Yeah, it's been you. really enjoyable. Really Thanks to you. Thank Thanks you. to you. Thank you. And- project so yeah just, no that's great thank amazing. you so much thank you Bye. if you need something else just let me know like uh, not related with the podcast but your work so yeah Aww. just contact Aww. me yes, thank you of course that's really really thank Thank you for joining us for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Genomics Lab. That's got a capital G and a capital L. You can actually also find both of us on Instagram at a genomics PhD and at PhD underscore Ellie. Finally, be sure to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform and we will see you all in the next episode. Thank you again for listening. (laughs) 